Well, welcome everyone. It's my privilege, I'm Pastor Marty, and it is my privilege tonight that we are uh, going to be speaking in our spin series. Uh, my wife, Lisa, and I, we've been serving here at K-First for 20 years. <laughs> I know it's amazing, I'm old. Not my wife, just me. Um, we've kind of entered a milestone in our life. Um, we're empty nesters now. The, the, my daughter, Carissa, she just got married this past May. That was an adventure. Um, one of the happiest and saddest days of my life, but it's done and, and we're looking forward to this empty nest. And what did that mean to us? It was, well, we're gonna take our time and enjoy life our ministry here at K-First, each other, and especially our grandchildren. And no, Krista doesn't have any grandchildren yet. I'm still hoping. But we, we planning all this, and then COVID happened. But uh, let me tell you, I am still happy to say that we're enjoying life. We're loving ministry. We enjoy our grandkids and each other. Um, in spite of everything that's going on. We have found a different way to do that. And I think that many of us can identify with that. Life is still having to go on, even though it looks and feels like nothing we would have ever imagined or wanted in our, in our life. And I find it really amazing that many months ago when Pastor Dave was praying and believing God for series and timely messages for our people, that he placed this series in his heart, and more specifically, a, a verse that he wanted to come out of that is amazingly timely and speak volumes, not only in my life, but I feel to us as a community. And for me, I... <clears throat> It just thrills me. It, it, it confirms that when we trust God and, and we listen to the Holy Spirit, that he does and moves in ways that we could never imagine. So I just say that today as kind of an encouragement to you to know that today what I'm speaking about isn't meant to drag anyone down or to point fingers or spew anything other than love and encouragement because that is what God is doing to us. He's lavishing his love and his encouragement upon us today. So um, before we get into it, why don't we just take a moment to say a quick prayer and that helps me get everything on the level here. So Heavenly Father, we just come to you today in humility in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Father, we are, uh, I specifically am thanking you for the Holy Spirit that is coming and is working and it is going out uh, as, the, as the word is spread, God, in, in infecting and affecting people. God, I ask, like I always do when, when I take this place of speaking, God, that it would be the Holy Spirit that speaks through, that the people would hear only that which you want them to hear, Father. My words and the words that would not be heard, God, I ask that you just seal them from their ears that they wouldn't even be heard, but they would hear you and they would respond to the truth of your Spirit speaking to them. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you need a title for, for this, what I'm talking about today, 
it's going to be, don't worry, be faithful. I know a lot of you have thought, don't worry, be happy. It's more than that. Don't worry, be faithful. Now we're in this spin series and the spin series is based off of taking and looking at a particular scripture. A lot of times they're very popular, but they may have been spun into a way that maybe we want instead of necessarily what it was meant to be said in scripture. So um, we've had examples last week and this week we're gonna have another one. And uh, before we get into it, I'm gonna give you a little pro tip. Do you like pro tips? Good, because I'm giving you one. Anytime that you cherry pick a verse out of the Bible, you are more than likely taking it out of context and its subsequent meaning will be less than originally intended. That's a lot of fancy words for saying, if you go in and you just pick out a scripture that sounds good and you apply it to your, what you're thinking, chances are you've, you've kind of missed the boat. Now, God is amazing. The Holy Spirit is awesome. Can he work it together so that it works out? Yeah, but trust me, don't, don't set your life on trying to be able to do that. Do the hard work, invest the time into uh, seeking the Holy Spirit, seeking the presence of God, being together in a community of people, and then, and then go into the word and do the hard work of figuring it out. Okay, so let's open up our Bibles right away or your electronic device. Or if you're here, you can look up on the screen. We're going to turn to Matthew 6.33. You probably already know it by heart, even though you might not know the numbers. And it goes like this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I'm going to ask you a quick question here. What did you hear? You heard me read the verse, right? Yeah, absolutely. What did you think when you heard that verse? Now, I don't know exactly what, but I have a pretty good idea that a lot of people heard something along this line. Look to heaven, be good, and then in big, bold letters, God will give you everything you need. And I know for that was what I'd like to hear too. <laughs> part of that is I might've been a little bit confused about the first part of the sentence there. There was a couple terms there in there. Um, this all relates to us, to understanding context. Um, if we understand context, it helps us not gloss over things that we don't understand and then things that we readily think we understand, we just put our meaning to them. So um, context is this. Context is the circumstances, the form, the setting for an event, a statement or idea, and in terms of which it can be fully understood and assessed. Another way to look at it is the parts of something written or spoken that immediately proceed and follow a word or passage to clarify its meaning. So kind of the, uh, I'll say another pro tip, all words and phrases have intended meaning. Don't substitute your own meaning for those. So when we looked at that first one, um, a lot of people hear kingdom of God and they address their own meaning to it, whether or not that is really what's intended. Same with righteousness, same thing. 
and then finish it off. So you can see how easily we can minimize that which we don't understand and overemphasize the things we think we know. So because we're uh, kind of limited in time frame, or at least I've limited myself to a time frame, uh, I'm going to provide a little bit of background, a little, well, not just little background, it's a very important background. Um, and, and what I'm doing is I'm hoping to help you bring a little contextual clarity to this verse. And in doing so, I'm hoping to show and model for you maybe a new way of you reading scriptures that you've never done before. And I encourage you, try it and try it with people. Don't don't get this thing that you have to do it alone because what if I mess up? It's okay, it's better to mess up in a group than it is to mess up in as an individual all by yourself. Because what happens? If I as an individual go in and decide something, this is what scripture says, and I go off and I live in that in my own little world, I can really create a world of hurt for myself. If I'm in a community of people, we have other people who go, oh, that seems a little bit whack, Marty, back off. You know, maybe don't take it to that extreme. We have a little protection. I believe God works that way with us. So background that I want to give you is just into the book of Matthew real quick. I'm going to speed through it. Matthew was written primarily to the Jewish Christians. Most likely this happened after the destruction of Jerusalem. Their whole world was upside down. There was huge division between the Christians and the Jews. In fact, that's actually an understatement. You know, um, Christians were known in the Jewish synagogues and things like that of the people of the way. That's what they called them. And they would gather together in the temple and in synagogues, and they would worship and they would talk together. Well, destruction happened. There was already some chafing anyways. Um, I just... This isn't a fact. This is my kind of thinking. If you were a good Orthodox Jewish person and you were doing your best to follow the teachings of Torah, of the rabbis, and you had this kind of subset of your faith that kind of espoused a different way and a different thing, you knew as a devout Jew that if you didn't follow God devoutly, guess what could happen? You could go into exile. And you were already suffering with feeling like even though you were in your own land, you're in exile. You have another group in there who's not doing the way you think. You're immediately going to have some pushback on them, right? So there was division. There was already strife happening there. Um, Matthew was coming right out and reminding Jewish Christians the fact that, hey, Jesus is the Messiah not only for the Jews, but the whole world. And the mission that God gave Jesus was to inaugurate the kingdom of God here on earth, just as it was, as it is in heaven, as it were. Um, to teach and model what the kingdom looked like and how people would live in it. And this kingdom could not be overturned or destroyed. All of this was proved true by Jesus through his death and resurrection, which seen by all of them, Matthew included, that was God's ultimate vindication that Jesus was who he said he was and what he was doing was the things that God wanted to do. So that's a quick overview. That kind of sets it and lets you know that in Matthew, this is all 
explaining how the kingdom of God operates, how we should operate within it, and how that looks in our relationship with each other and God. So our verse that we looked at today, in verse 33 there, has two terms, as I said earlier, that we need to understand better. And it's the kingdom of God and righteousness. Both of those terms, you might already have a good grasp on on what is meant by those. You might not. So here I'm just going to help you, and so you can kind of see how that works out. The kingdom of God really is not in any way, shape, or form referring to heaven. And yes, I did the quotes. Heaven, as in the place way out in space that we go to when we die, where God is. That's, that's just wasn't what it was intended in here, and it really wasn't even what the rest of the, the scripture before and after the Sermon of the Mount speaks to. It speaks to us having access to a new way of life here and now on the earth. A new way of life with our fellow man, but more importantly, in proper relationship with God. Which leads us into the the second portion of the righteousness. Righteousness is more than just right living. It's more than just living the right way. And, And we'll explore this a little bit more, but the best part is Jesus modeled the kingdom and righteousness And he said, we have access to all of that he did through scripture. The real kind of nuts and bolts of the kingdom living and righteousness is found right in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It lays out everything. In fact, you could say it meticulously defines how Christ's followers are expected to behave and live. And any guesses to where Matthew 6 falls in the Sermon on the Mount? Right in it. It's right in the mix of it all. So I want us to uh, take a look quick at Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. And we're going we're gonna to read through a couple verses here to our verse of today. Because this is going to help us bring in a, a little more context to what this specific verse is really speaking to. Matthew 6, 19 through 33 says, says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. We get a break here, and this is an important break. It's an important note. You hear Jesus say, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. 
for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. And then our verse, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So we see right away that this verse is at the end of a paragraph dealing with money and worry, specifically worry over food, drink, and clothing. Through the whole paragraph, we are told to remember that God takes care of his own and that the Gentiles worry and strive for these things, but we shouldn't. If we go back and we look even further at the Beatitudes where, where Jesus starts it all out, you see right away that the kingdom of God is counterculture to anything else out there. Why? The meek will inherit. Those who weep will be comforted. You, you see that there's a lot more in here than just the power structure and the structure that the world has. Jesus says God's kingdom is totally different than that. And if his kingdom's different than that, then we as people should be moving and living and breathing under a different paradigm also. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, I'm going to ask you again, did you hear it? And you're like, yes, I heard it. I heard it several times. You keep repeating it. The reason I said that is I have a point that this is not a conditional sentence. Okay? There is no in this sentence, if you do this, then this will happen. This sentence is 100% encouragement. It's blank and blank and blank. It's all one thing. This is a, a encouragement blessing for us. And I know we can get tripped up because we had that funny word seek in there. Seek, S-E-E-K. Well, that, that sounds like you have to do something. Well, that funny word Seek is a very interesting Greek word. It's called zeteo. And it means more than passively looking. It carries this full sense of active participation. But get this, without full understanding. That's huge. Huge. Let that sink in. As Pastor Dave says, let that selah in there. We like to have things if we're gonna do something, and I'm, I'm a big one on this, I like to know the big picture and know everything about it so I can go at it in strong. But the seek that we're to do for the kingdom is, guess what? You can't know the full capacity of the kingdom of God, but live it anyways. Live it to the best of your ability. Seek it. <clears throat> That's good. 
Write that one down. So what is the kingdom of God? I'm going to distill it down because we're not going to go through the whole thing and spell it out minute by minute. We don't have enough time. In a nutshell, the kingdom is what Jesus inaugurated and proclaimed, okay? It's God reigning in his creation in perfect relationship with his people. The real, this is actually the real fulfillment of the creation story. God and mankind dwelling together in love, peace, and harmony with God and with each other. We have a term for that in postmodernism. It's called utopia, and people hear it and laugh. Jesus wasn't laughing, he was serious. And we need to take and get his heart for what God can do here and now. Following the kingdom, it said, and, and live righteously. You're going to get it again. Greek word alert. It's called dikaiothenia. Let me get it right again because I messed that pronunciation up. Dikaiothenia. There we go. Dikaiothenia. There's the proper one. It's righteousness. What is right? Justice. The act of doing what is in agreement with God's standards. So that's when you heard me say it's not just doing the right things. It's the second part that really fits in context with the rest of the chapter, and it's this. It's the state of being in proper relationship with God. Okay? You hear? This isn't about you behaving correctly. This isn't about you having to do all the right things. It's about accepting the standard of grace and mercy that God gave us through Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve it. He gave it. We live into that. You see, Jesus extended God's invitation to all to come and be a part of this kingdom. The only requirement was accepting God's righteousness and then living into it. There is only one who is righteous. People ask Jesus, he said, why do you ask me? Only God is righteous. Only God is truth. But we understand that Jesus is God incarnate. And therefore, that which he preached and did fulfilled everything needed for righteousness and ultimately salvation for all mankind. So you see, as disciples or followers of the way of Jesus, we must live into that which we have been freely given by God. When we understand what Jesus did for us and the honor that we have been given, we only have one correct response. It is to treat others the same way and repent when we fall short of the, of the very thing that God gave us. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but for a long time, I have been trying to live the kingdom in how I think, how I act. And when I lay my head down at night and go to sleep and I say my little prayers internally to God, my heart is one of repentance because not of the bad things that I might have done or did. Of course, I'm gonna take care of those right away. It's when I look back at my day and see how I didn't fully live the kingdom out, how someone may not have seen this wonderful world that God wants to have and inhabit and be with because I was too selfish to listen and be obedient to what God was having me to do. 
And how do I compare that? No one's telling me that. I'm just looking at the righteousness of God and what he's given me and comparing self to that. And I have plenty to repent on just from that. But it encourages me that tomorrow I can do it again. If God blesses me with another day, I have another opportunity to live it the rightest way as I can. And at the end of the day, if I mess up, God's grace and his mercy and his love is still gonna be for there and he's gonna encourage me. Try again tomorrow, Marty. Maybe tomorrow we'll get it, okay? Truth for you. Righteousness is not a behavior. It's humble obedience to the holiness of God. I know some of you that might stick just a little bit. When I was writing it out, it stuck with me. I'm like, oh, Marty. But if we just turn back just a couple pages, and I wanted to read it right out of here. This is right out of the same Sermon on the Mount. Jesus saying, in my Bible, it's marked in red, chapter 5, verse 20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the same term as the kingdom of God. There isn't any difference in that. Did you, did you hear that? Jesus didn't say the Pharisees and the teachers were not righteous. They were. He said, unless yours exceeds that. Well, how can you exceed that and not say it's following the rules? Precisely what Jesus was saying, because it's the active relationship to God. When you're in God's presence, when you're in contact with him, everything that you need fixed in your life becomes readily apparent to you. The only way that it wouldn't is if you're sans relationship with God. And then all you have to do is ask receive what God has given through Christ Jesus, and you're there. So, following that, righteousness, we have another and. And he will give you everything you need. Now, because of the context in reading before, we know that that's specifically referring to the things that God knows that we need to live. Specifically, clothing, food, drink. Those are things that we would otherwise consume our time and energy worrying about or seeking after rather than seeking after the kingdom and the righteousness. So knowing that proper context, we can actually now take that and apply it to other things that are happening in our life. Now, I am told myself, don't be political, so don't take this politically, but it is a great example. We can get so caught up about our personal rights as Americans for whatever reason, for wearing a mask in public or out there, that we can worry, stress, figure out everything that we have to do. And while we're doing all that, we throw away all the attitude and character of God being loving, caring, compassionate to to get what we feel we need. 
when the proper response is, understand, the world is going to be bad. It's going to be counter the kingdom in every way. We are going to live the kingdom. We are going to do whatever. And if someone says we wear a mask, so what? We wear a mask. But we live the kingdom with the mask on. And we don't worry about it. What does God give us? He gives us what we need. The things that are important. For me, after wearing the mask too long, I need a breath of fresh air. Well, I believe that God can provide me a breath of fresh air while I'm wearing a mask, okay? Enough, plow, enough politicizing. If that wasn't too much, I'm sorry. Don't write Pastor Dave. Don't call on Tim. Come talk to me directly, and I'll repent to you in person for that. So if we go through our verse once again, and we read it through, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you hear it now? Do you hear the encouragement that is being poured into your life? I had to do my own little um, translation and I took uh, a very little known or followed Bible translation. It's called the, the um, yeah, now I just lost it. Anyways, it'll come to me. I took another translation, added my own, and it came out this way. So here's what I did for 33. First, and most importantly, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his way of doing and being right, the very attitude and character of God, and God will meet your needs always. So my action point, my takeaway, from this today, and that I encourage each of you to try out tomorrow, try out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Don't worry. Be faithful. God's got me. Simple as that. Be blessed.